Hey everyone, Christy McClellan here, and I want to invite you to a brand new event from Lifeway Women called Feast. At this event, you'll be invited to feast on God's Word by studying the Bible in its historical, cultural context. We're going to get to know the Bible in its world, in its native habitat, text, and context. You'll experience teaching, worship led by my 25-year friend, Laura Cooksey, and fellowship with other women around the world. Come and learn with me that the living God is better than we ever knew. Visit LifeWay.com slash Feast to learn more. This is the Mark Podcast from LifeWay Women. We're your hosts, Elizabeth Heineman and Kelly King. Each episode, we'll talk about what God is doing, how He has and is marking each of us. Sometimes that will be through interviews, and sometimes we'll have conversations around the table. We're so glad you've joined us today. Did you know we have a weekly newsletter? Each Tuesday, we'll drop some encouragement and good news in your inbox. If you're looking for the latest Bible study releases, events near you, giveaways, scripture reading plans, free downloads, and more, sign up at lifeway.com forward slash women's news. Hello and welcome to the Mark Podcast. I am Elizabeth Hyman and I am here with my co-host Kelly King. Hey Kelly. Hey Elizabeth. Well, it's so good to just be with you again this week. I know. Um, So it's January. We're probably thinking about, I mean, I know I still think for like the whole month of January of like all these different goals and dreams and all the things. New Year's kind of um, has me like reevaluating a lot of my Mm -hmm. life. So we're really excited to have Catherine Mack. Yeah, on our a new podcast. friend, yes. a new friend with us. So we've never met you before, Catherine. So we're excited to have you. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you, guys. Yeah. So, Catherine, we'll talk a little bit about your book in a minute. But first, just tell us about yourself and your ministry, what you do, your family, all those things. Yeah. Well, I'm in Little Rock, Arkansas, and have been married 25 years this January to BJ, and we have three girls and a boy. Uh, two two girls that are out of the house, and then one who's a senior and a 14-year-old boy, Andrew. Um, and basically, I, I never thought I would get into ministry, but I've been in uh, ministry, um, vocational ministry now for over a decade and have loved it. Started out um, at the church, kind of a mega church in in Little Rock, Fellowship Bible Church, where I had grown up. And I was in women's ministry for years and then ended up uh, launching different things. Uh, First, the Dwell Conference for men and women, um, which turned into a parachurch ministry that was launched out of the church to serve multiple churches. And now that's led to uh, my partner and I that have led well 
actually focusing and niching on different parts of that organization that we've developed. So uh, his name is Aaron Williams, my partner, and he will be focusing on the conference we developed moving forward and music. And I'm actually focusing on the discipleship side of dwell and we're calling that dwellings. So I lead uh, the ministry dwellings here in Little Rock And we develop discipleship for both small groups and now house churches. So there's my journey. (laughs) One thing's kind of led to another, um, but it's been very exciting. Just this journey of following God and what he has for all of us in the church right now. I was actually just thinking that when you were talking about just kind of your journey through this. And I love that you can kind of see the Lord's hand and how he took you from one place to the next place to the next. And he's just used all that experience and all of the the things that you've learned in ministry to just kind of develop more things for the church, which is which is so fun. Which, which now it leads us to you've got a new resource that has just come out, um, a new book called Whole, The Life-Changing Power of Relating to God with All of Yourself, which I'm really interested. I, I, looked, I looked through the, the copy of the book and just um, very interested in how you kind of put this together. So tell us a little bit about the book and just the hopes for those who are reading it. Yeah, well, uh, through the work of Dwell and this ministry that we developed, my partner, Aaron Williams, and I um, have been working on these concepts a long time and just decided we want to have a way to pass this along to more people because we found some of these concepts to be really helpful in people's um, just growth and their relationship with the Lord. And so um, Whole is a response to a lot of conversations with people and our own personal experience of going through seasons of just feeling really distant from God and feeling dry. And the premise of the book is, you know, there can be a lot of reasons for that, but the premise of the book is sometimes uh, we are coming to God with actually half of who we are. And so it's not that he's distant, it's that often we're holding back parts of ourself instead of offering our whole selves to him. And so we have in the book broken down four different dichotomies, so sets of words. And the premise is in each of these sets of words, often we can lean toward one or the other. But God in scripture is clearly saying, I want you to come to me with both of these. So the first section of the book is called Head and Heart. And so, you know, depending on our personalities or our background or even our church experience, we could tend to relate to God with our head or our heart. But he's saying, I want you to love me with all of who you are. Love me with your heart and your mind. Um, The second section is on truth and spirit. And depending on our backgrounds and our leanings, we could either come to him with a heavy emphasis on relating to him through truth, or, you know, if we're potentially from a charismatic background, or we have, you know, other ways we relate to God, we might relate to him in spirit more, but be weak 
in our knowledge of the truth. And so we see in scripture again, he's saying, I want you to come to me with all of that. Um, our third section is on being and doing. And again, we have found in conversations that a lot of us tend to be beers or doers while Jesus is modeling a lifestyle of both being with the father and then being on mission and doing for the kingdom. Then the last section is center and saint, and that deals more with our identity before God. Some of us really identify with being sinners, you know, filthy rags. We have nothing to give, um, which is true. And the fact that we can't earn salvation and then others of us really focus on the fact that we've been uh, through our salvation. We've been uh, renamed as saints, but there is actually um, some truth to both of those words when it comes to our identity. And so we explore that dichotomy as well and how understanding how to um, dive into both parts of those words can actually help us come to God with all of, of who we are. So that was a lot. Um, our hope is that people would understand a bit more about some of their gaps. Um, that's been my experiences over the years in being exposed to people who are different than I am or churches that are different than the ones I've grown up in. I've realized like, oh, I have some gaps in the way I relate to God that I didn't know that I had. Do you guys relate to that at all? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a lifelong lifelong process, isn't it? Of just seeing yes. those gaps for sure. Yeah. And I love how you talk about a lot of it depends on the way that you grew up um, and the environment that you grew up in and the parents that you had, the like whether you attended Sunday school or whatever, yes. it, like it all kind of speaks into that for sure. Yes, it does. And and so, I mean, we'll never quite be there. We'll have gaps until we get to heaven. Um, but I think the first important thing is just knowing what gaps that we have. And, um, you know, for me, for a long portion of my life, for instance, with the truth and spirit dichotomy, I've grown up with really strong Bible teaching and teaching around the Holy Spirit, but hadn't really experienced life in the Spirit to the degree that I have later in my life. But I didn't really know that gap was there until I was exposed to more experience of just being filled with the Spirit, hearing from Him. Um, And so that's an example of, you know, a gap that was there that I didn't know that I had. And one that as it's filled makes my experience of God so much richer and more complete. So that's my hope is that as people identify their gaps and realize how they want to grow, you know, these are all things that God wants. And when we ask him to fill those gaps and to make us relate to him in a, in a fuller, more whole way, that's in his desire for him to help us with that. And so my desire is that people understand the gaps they have, come to him, ask him for more, and that they will experience more depth of communion with him because of it. 
And I think one of the things that you said really stood out to me about how you were exposed to different kinds of um, maybe worship or different aspects of knowledge. And so I think, you know, it is the life, the subtitle of your book is the life changing power of relating to God with all of yourself. But I also think that that speaks to the church as a whole, because we're, uh, we can be whole if we're all together because there are some things, like you said, there are going to be gaps until we get to heaven, but we can kind of fill in those gaps for each other. And I was curious about how you were exposed to different teachings. Like what, what did that look like for you? Was it visiting different kinds of churches? Was it reading different kinds of books, like um, talking with friends? How, how were you exposed to something that was kind of different from what you grew up with? Yeah, that's a really good question. I would say it started with books and podcasts. And uh, some of those, you know, my my partner in writing this book, Aaron Williams, had been to Western Seminary and had some relationships through that seminary that um, I grew from. But also, yes, books outside of the tradition I had grown up in. Um, I started getting into uh more just old books, yeah. <laughs> authors uh, from the past, and read more across the spectrum and started to, instead of approaching those books in a way that was wondering if they were right or wrong or in my lane or not my lane, um, approaching those books as a learner, knowing that the church tradition I've grown up in is very strong stronger than most in some areas, but yet some of the other churches that I hadn't been a part of had things to offer um, me and my faith. And even honestly, in some areas where I might not agree exactly theologically with those, I, I started realizing how important the unity message Jesus has for us in the scripture is and started uh, started being able to try to unite in the areas that I could, even when there were smaller areas of disagreement or variance. So it's almost just like the focus became on, you know, how I might grow rather than how I might separate from someone because of some secondary differences. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah and I think... Yeah, and I think just that term that you just used, the secondary differences, we know that there are primary things that we all agree on, um, that we should agree on, and then there are some other things that we might not. But I think one of the dichotomies that was really stood out to me, because I think women really relate to the whole being and doing, we tend to kind of put ourselves in this, oh, I'm like a Mary who like is a, you know, who knows how to be with Jesus or I'm more like Martha, you know, and they tend to kind of do that. But I, I I think that's where one of those dichotomies that women really struggle with. So talk a little bit more about, you know, what you found in that area and how we live as a whole person. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely see that with women. And, and we have talked about the Mary Martha dichotomy, um, do see it with men too, as we've had conversations. Um, yeah, I think the church in general sometimes struggles uh, finding some tension between our inner formation and our outward mission. And 
again, you know, I think by nature, a lot of us could say I'm, I'm more of a Mary by nature or personality. Like I'm more of a meditative, slower being that can enjoy the person in front of me or, oh, I'm, I'm more of a doer. I, you know, I like to really help with the logistics or um, what needs to be done. Um, and, you know, we'll find some tension between those two things. But I think, again, the importance um, that we get to in this book is an integration of the two. We might naturally be more of a Mary or a Martha. We might naturally be more of a beer or a doer. But Jesus clearly models both. So, you know, we see him getting away with his father regularly. I have some scripture here. Let me get to it. So, yeah, Luke, Luke 22, it says that Jesus went out and made his way. It says, as usual, to the Mount of Olives, where he went to kneel down and began to pray with the Father. So you see he's doing this. That's a normative practice for him to get away be alone with the father. But then we see him, you know, touching everybody that he sees. We see him healing. He's making time for people. He's being interrupted. He doesn't just hang out with his father alone. Like he impacts the world. He's on the greatest mission on earth. Um, So we see both modeled with him and he's showing us that we need to do that too. We need to both get alone with the father, but we also don't need to just stay in our prayer closet. We have a life of mission that he modeled. And so we live out of that being into a doing for the world. I mean, it's one of the reasons why we're here. We're on mission. And so the challenge of that dichotomy is, yeah, we all have a way we naturally lean. Again, our traditions we've grown up in, as a whole tradition could lean toward being or doing like you see um, whole denominations that are built more on just spiritual communion with the father. Amazing. You see whole denominations that are built on being missionaries to the world. And Obviously, we all care about all of it, but we have to just examine, like, what are our personality leanings? What are the traditions we've grown up in? And what could be the area where we have greater gap and how could we grow? And so, you know, I've got um, two friends, actually, and they always have this conversation. One leans toward being She's very meditative. She's not showy at all. Like she, she resists anything that feels too demonstrative. Um, and she's always having a conversation with my other friend. That's more of a doer who, who kind of gets frustrated. Like don't hide your gifts in the closet, like steward the gifts, like go share them and be on mission. And you can just sense like, Oh, it's, you know, because of their natural leanings, it's hard Uh, to grow in the other direction, but that's what Jesus is calling to. And he's calling us to, and he's, he's calling us toward wholeness for our own sakes and for the sake of the world. Mm -hmm. Um, And you see it, you know, another example we use in the chapter is divine in the branches, John 15. It's, you know, uh, 
it's being attached to him um, divine. Like we're receiving life through him. That's the being. But then also there's fruit that is coming out simultaneously. And that's one process. It's not two different things. And so as we are with him in communion as beers, there is a fruit that almost must come out. Like it is a part of the process of being with him as we also become doers. And so it's, it's more integrated um, in, in Jesus's plan than it is in, in sometimes our own minds and, and also the way we live our lives. Yeah. What about you guys? Are you, I was trying you to think to if I'm more, of a, more than the other. I, Kelly, I would guess that you're more of a doer. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. I think I would, I, I would lean that way and I've had to grow in the other. So yeah. it definitely is the gap that I work, that I work, you know, on and I, try to be more intentional about slowing down, finding the, finding the time to reflect and just let the Lord, you know, speak into my life without me just like telling him what I'm going to do for him. Yeah, for yeah, sure. I think I probably lean towards being a beer, mm-hmm. but I, would I say do, that for you. I do. Um, it depends on what it is. Cause there mm-hmm. are also situations I'm kind of a behind the scenes person more so than a, um, in front of people person, but I, yeah, I would say I probably lean more beer. So that's good that we're partners on this podcast, Kelly. That's right. That's right. We, 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 there's a balance, right? Yes. There's a balance. Yeah. Oh. I definitely know that I have to work on doing a lot of times, but it is, it is through like the church and friends that I, um, I find a lot of help in that area and growing in that area. Well, and I think doers, we tend to put our value in what we do and not our value in our identity and who Christ is and what he's done for us. And so that's just a good reminder that we are not, who, you know, what we do, but we are who we are in Christ um, and what he did same, for us. Yeah. You know, at the same time, like the beer's got to, we got to have some fruit. So, um, cause we can just sit and think about it for all, a long time and, there you, go. you know, yeah. So, okay. So you wrote this, you co-wrote this book with Aaron Williams, you, like you said. So tell us a little bit about like the behind the scenes. What is it like to co-write a book? How does that process work? And did you learn anything um, as you, in that process of writing with someone else? Yeah. Yeah. Several people have asked us that lately. Uh, it was a lot easier than I think a lot of people would think. I think it could be harder if the two authors were really on different pages, but we have been heading um, in the same direction, just with some similar vision for the church and working together for many years. So we already knew our hearts were aligned. And honestly, we had just a similar voice, the way that we spoke. Um, So that made it probably feel more integrated whole. (laughs) I'm like, Oh, Um, but it, it made it, our voices integrate a little bit better just because we've known each other and worked together for years, but it it really was a joy for me. It was easier than writing it by myself because um, I would, you know, work on a section for a while and think like, Oh, I need a story or I need a scripture. And then, or just be at a dead end. And then we had one big Google doc. Uh, Basically he would start working um, on our shared document on his end. And um, 
fill in a big section and I would say, oh, you know, that's it. I just couldn't, couldn't come up with it. So I think it helps that we work together and have known each other and have similar mission. I think otherwise it might be really frustrating um, if you found some, you know, your co-author going in a different direction. But for me, it has been a, a joy, a privilege, and just a way to um, get out some of the work that we've been doing for years together um, and capitalize on his strengths and also be able to use mine. So it, it's been really fun. It's it's just a weaving back and forth. There was never, ever a, hey, let's sit down together beyond the outline at the beginning. It was all done via Google Docs, me doing a big section, him doing a big section, and then us really heavily picking on each other's sections and being okay with that and actually wanting that, knowing it will be better in the end. That's such a great picture of you guys working together as, you know, brother and sister in Christ. And and I think sometimes we tend to kind of alienate our brothers in some of our work. And I yeah. think you've really walked into that because, you know, you told us that for, for several years you were doing women's ministry in the local church, but then really you're you're really kind of doing something that's not gender specific right now and you're ministering in in a bigger discipleship field. So help us kind of understand what is maybe different about leading for gender specific and non-gender specific ministries. Yeah, (laughs) that's a good question. Yeah, I led women's ministry for, for years in the church. It was one of the greatest joys of my life. I loved, had a really great team. Uh, really supportive church, had a lot of um, autonomy and trust. And I think sometimes for all the people listening that are in women's ministry, leading women's ministry, you can feel isolated on an island. Um, But the pro side of that is you often do have, if you are a leader or you have some pioneering giftings, you you have more room to do that. So that was a great joy for me because I do have some pioneering starter gifts. And that was a place that felt like I could utilize those gifts and grow in them. But after a season of creating experiences for women, I felt um, like I couldn't come home from, let's say, like a weekend retreat or conference that we had and really catch my husband up on how I was growing if he wasn't there, do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, And so I just started feeling more of a burden to have spiritual experiences that were for everyone. And that's where it's just like, I couldn't help myself. And so that was part of why dwell um, the conference that started our ministry was, was birthed as wanting to create something again with Aaron in our, we were both in our church that was for the whole family or, you know, especially for just men and women. And that has been a great joy. It is harder in some ways. Um, I would say, even though it's my calling and I wouldn't go back, I sometimes wistfully remember (laughs) the the women's (laughs) ministry days because I think it's, for the women that are listening that have more pioneering um, or more like apostolic gifts that are starters and change agents, 
Um, it's sometimes a hard gifting to have as a female in the church because you want to be really respectful of, you know, your husband, your, if you're married, um, men in leadership. And depending on what part of the country you're from or tradition, but I'm in the Bible, Bible Belt in a, you know, more conservative uh, part of the country, uh, people don't know what to do with you. <laughs> And so there's a constant just dependence on the Lord you have to have to know how do you, without, you know, being all women's power, you know, like off on a mission, angry female, um, how do you use your God-given gifting for the kingdom and do that with men and women in a way that's really respectful of your brothers, but also equally respectful of the Lord who put the gifts in you that we all have. And so that's been a challenge, but also one that I can't turn back from. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and looking at scripture with more open eyes over the last few years, I've seen various women that have, various giftings that look a little bit more like leadership. Um, people that I'd missed um, in the scripture, I see I see women utilizing gifts outside of hospitality or working only in women's ministry or working only in childcare, the places where it's it's very easy to fit in. And I've felt greater permission to just be myself in the realm of men's and women's ministry, but it is it is trickier when you're as a, as a woman pioneering in areas where there are also men, just to be honest, but it's, it's, I think important in the church uh, to do that alongside of our brothers that have similar gifts. Yeah. I love that you mentioned women in scripture because there is such a variety of women that, God gives us his examples. And so um, they're doing all kinds of things. Yes, they're being mothers. Yes, they're being wives um, and faithfully so. But they're also being judges and queens and uh, businesswomen and all these different things. Um, And so I think that is always important for us to look at our examples. And I'm so grateful that God has given us those because it it can be pretty tricky. It can be, like you said, um, we want to be respectful. We want to honor scripture. Um, but we also believe that God has given us gifts that we can use. And so how can we use those in a way that is still honoring and, uh, respectful. And so I think you're doing a, you're doing a great work and trying to figure out how to use those. And I think that'll be helpful for women. Um, so you, you lead a discipleship ministry, like you said, called dwellings, and you guys spend a lot of time thinking about the future of the church. So what are some trends that you're seeing in ministry today? Um, yeah. Well, it's, it's a shifting time in the church, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think post-COVID, we were already seeing some shifts. And COVID has, in many ways, just fast-forwarded a lot of those or uh, just amplified some of the needs in the church and So I would say, you know, we are working on, we have been working for years through the ministry on some discipleship shifts based on conversations we're having. But 
Uh, one of them that I see is a, uh, a need to go from information to transformation. Um, and so, you know, especially in the younger generation, I think just they're, they're saying, I don't, I don't want to go, I don't want a lifetime of just going to Bible study after Bible study. And that sounds, um, that sounds maybe like we're saying Bible study is not important. And that's the opposite of what I'm saying. Like we need to know our Bibles. We need to, to learn, but some of the, um, this is some of what made us write this book is realizing that people want more than information. They want transformation. They want their whole lives to be transformed into the image of Jesus. And that means we're not just learning about him. We're experiencing him and we're experiencing him in all of life and not just, you know, while we're in our Bible study, we want our whole lives to be, um, changed by him. And so that can look like, you know, some of the categories of this book, like coming to him with our head and our heart, like our emotions are involved in living with him and can we come to him in truth and in spirit, like the Holy spirit can come transform our, our day, even when we're not, when we don't have the Bible open, like he can speak and direct us and, So I think it's just wanting a more expansive relationship with God that, that um, takes over our whole lives. And so, yeah, one of the things I'm seeing is that people, especially in their twenties, instead of having a absolute perfect role model and speaker online would rather have a in the flesh struggling discipler that's um, able to show them evidence of a life that is being worked out and changed by Jesus in his spirit in a, in a way that feels real. Um, And so, yeah, that's caused us in our work to just focus on what's happening in living rooms and small groups and, smaller communities um, to allow for those relationships where we're not only participating in the church by being in big Bible studies and um, listening on a Sunday to a sermon, but we are in real relationship with people that are experiencing him. So Mm, that's good. One of the things I'm seeing, do you guys relate to that at all? Yeah. Oh yeah. I think so. I think that's a really good observation. Generations can definitely uh, smell a fake (laughs) a lot faster Mm -hmm. than, than maybe the previous generations for sure. They're calling for that authenticity. Yes, exactly. Well, Catherine, we are almost out of our time, but we do want to have you answer the question that we ask all of our guests and we love this question, but really what has marked you in your walk with Christ? Yeah. What's marked me the most has been hearing his voice and obeying it. And so, you know, I've had a a lifetime of being able to learn his scripture and I can hear his voice there, but also sometimes he 
he gives us impressions and um, he, he speaks and just learning to hear his voice and follow it has been the greatest joy of my life and has been the reason for this journey that I'm on and the reason for everything good that's coming out of my life. And I'm, I'm still struggling and still working out my rough spots, but um, what's marked me in a good way has just been anything that has come from him that I've been able to step into and follow, even if it's hard or even if it's different, um, knowing that being with him is the safest place to be. Yeah. And that's a great word for all of our listeners too, of just stepping into that next step and watching, watching him work over our lives. So I really appreciate that. Catherine, thank you so much for being with us today. And we really do want to encourage our listeners to, to check out your new book, Hold the Life-Changing Power of Relating to God with All of Yourself. Um, thank you, Catherine, so much for joining us. It's been fun to get to know you. Thank you guys so much. Yeah, absolutely. It's a privilege to be on here. Oh, that's our privilege too. Well, listeners, thank you for joining us again once this uh, this week. And we hope that you'll come back next week. Thanks so much for listening. If you want to join in on the conversation, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Kelly D. King and at E.D. Heineman. Use the hashtag marked podcast to connect with us you can also find lifeway women on all social media channels at lifeway women all of today's show notes will be posted at lifewaywomen.com slash podcast if you love the show leave an itunes review it's a great way for other people to hear about the podcast we'll see you next time Home should be a place where we feel at peace, where we can be ourselves, where we feel loved. For a lot of us, though, home is a place of heartache, hurt, and loneliness. As believers, Christ promises us an eternal home. But what does that actually look like? And how do we deal with our current homesickness? I recently wrote a Bible study called Come Home for Women, and I'm so excited that Come Home will also be available for teen girls. It's perfect for small groups, helps girls answer important questions, and gives us a richer understanding of what kind of home God's building for us. The release date for Come Home for Teen Girls is August 1st, but you can pre-order it now at lifeway.com slash come home. Don't miss out on this opportunity to help girls belong and be loved. Again, you can pre-order it today at lifeway.com slash come home.